Welcome to this week's episode of Game Dev's Quest, your once weekly podcast phone to Game Dev Scrubs and to Game Dev Dem. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And uh, we're, we're fresh in the home of one Taylor J. Bukite. Mm-hmm. Nice and cozy. Yeah. I spent like an hour this morning cleaning to be to make it presentable for you, Rhett. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny how that works? Like, I'm sure that... You know, you probably think one way and Alia thinks another, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because this happens, like, we're having people over and Bailey's like, oh my, well, we need to spend at least 20 minutes cleaning. And I'm like, why? It's The house is clean right now. And she's like, look around you. And it's like, <laughs> nothing is out of place, you know? But there's like a day's worth of, like, buildup, you know, yeah. dust or something. I don't know. But Yeah, anytime we have somebody over, Alia is pretty set on like cleaning every room you know isn't that so. crazy don't you feel like your place should like is it that bad if your place feels lived in i don't think so but the only part that i really did need to clean is when you walk into our apartment we have this bathroom that's like right in front of the the door. front door and that's where our cats like go to the bathroom and everything and they have like a litter mat but it's not great at catching all the litter. So, like, almost all the way to the front door, it's, like, just litter scattered. <laughs> yeah. So that was good to clean up, but otherwise. Yeah, we have the same problem. Uh, especially, too, so that room that you stayed in at my house where it was just the... Anyway, we finally put a real bed in there. So oh, nice. So next time you need to crash, we got a, yeah. a real bed. Right. Um, but because it's a guest room, we moved... Luna's litter box from out of there because that's it was in the oh. closet before. Yeah, and there's just not a good place to put it, so it's like in my office right now. <laughs> nice. And that bitch that, is yeah. <laughs> she's just like doesn't she's like anyway. If I have to step in this to go pee, you have to step in it to do anything else, <laughs> I'm like, bastard. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's funny. We just, uh, we had people over last night uh, to play Dungeons and Dragons, and it was the same thing. It was like, okay, we got to clean all this up. We got to clean all this up, which yeah. is, you know, that's. <sighs> it is a good excuse to, clean. you know, to clean, yeah. to do a deep clean. Like, I'm, I try to vacuum like once a week, but that typically stretches to like once every three weeks. Yeah. And so if someone comes over in the meantime, it's like, oh, got to vacuum. So. We literally don't have any carpet in our whole house, and we still have to vacuum. <laughs> it's like the most annoying thing. Yeah, I hate vacuuming. Uh, um, yeah, man. And then, um, yeah, just a wild morning. Anyway. Yeah. So we talked uh, before about what we were going to do today, and um, while we're kind of gearing up, we've got a, another rash of guest appearances coming up. That uh, we hope you guys enjoy. But in the meantime, we're just plucking along. And Taylor and I were getting into a conversation earlier about our favorite games. But not only that, I guess, games that sort of inform the way that we think about making games, even. You mm -hmm. know, like, 
No, I mean, obviously, every game is going to kind of inform, right? Like, think about all the times we worked on something together, and you're like, you know, like this game. What yeah. if we did something like that? Ooh, you know. <laughs> um, and so we compiled basically kind of like our top ten list here, and I think Taylor went a little bit more for influential, and I just went for like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. My list also is pretty current. I have some pretty recent games on the list, but I think it's kind of like that nostalgia factor. Like, I mean, as a kid, you know, we grew up 15, 20 years ago, and it wasn't like now where you can just pick up really any game at any given time. Like, you had to go to the store and pick the one off the shelf, and typically it was like a $40 game. You know, at least. Um, and so then you spent like a lot of time playing that particular game just because that was the one you picked when you had money and were at the store, you know, like before you could drive to get to Walmart or whatever. Like it was kind of a special thing to be able to get a game. So I I didn't have like a vast collection of games growing up. I had a lot of friends that did. And so I spent uh, a lot of time over at their houses like playing different games, um, especially for different consoles that I didn't have. Like, I didn't have any of the Nintendos, which we've talked about. So none of those games obviously really landed on my list. And that's not to say that those games aren't amazing, and I wish that I had played them. Um, But given, like, this small group of games that I played, a lot of these games aren't the, uh, you know, stereotypical, like, top game of all time they're yeah. ones that are less played and maybe not as renowned but yeah they still were very influential to me and brought me to a place where i loved video games and like am still playing and making games now 20 30 years later so it was hard to pick though dang i just like <laughs> what i actually did was i wrote down a bunch that I could think of offhand. And then I look through like top 100 games of all time lists. And I was like, Oh, you know, I forgot about this one or that one. And what was routinely in those lists that you saw? Like what was routinely in the top? Um, let's see. This was last week when I was looking, so I can't even remember, but it was just like standard ones that you, you know, like your Zeldas and Mario's and um, Halo and, Half-Life and all those kind of games. But Dude, the storyline in Halo 1 was epic. It was. Oh, my God. So yeah. good. That, well, I'm not going to get into it because it made my list. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what, do we just, like, want to jump in? We want to, yeah. like, dissect, like, one list at a time or go, like, I, number by number? I see. let's go number by number and we'll just talk about... Like that number for each of us, and why we picked that and placed it where we did. Okay. So why don't why don't you start going with number ten? And <laughs> maybe at the end we can do honorable mentions. Oh, so we're starting in the back. So we're starting at the bottom. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I think so. Okay. So I do have to admit that my list isn't necessarily in the best order ever. Uh, but number ten for me is a game called Starflight, and I've talked about it before. It kind of uh, influenced. Uh, even though Taylor fucked up my my entry when he played it, it kind of influenced my last uh, OMG Jam game oh. entry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> whatever, it's not your fault. I don't know why it didn't, like, none of my text graphics made it in. Yeah, I don't know. 
Well, okay. So Starflight. Yeah, Starflight. So in this game, um, I highly suggest you guys Google it. You can Google Starflight for Sega Genesis, and you can just like look at some of the pictures. But it's it's um, has influenced my taste in games and even like literature and movies and things from the time when I was a little kid. And basically this game is you have this, this like really huge galactic map of stars and each star has its own system of planets. And you play as the, the captain of this starship that you get a name, but it's basically kind of looks like the ship from 2001 with like little modules that you can add to it. And you get your crew and uh, Earth has, like, been destroyed or something like that. Um, and your mission is to, like, find a new home for humanity to settle. And so humanity's kind of base of operations is this, like, gigantic space station where you go. And you, that's where you return all of your, your stuff that you harvest out in, the, out in space. You return it there for money. And then you can buy upgrades for your spaceship. Including guns. Including, like, extra space to, like, store resources including better scanners, better shields, things like that. And the game is super fun because, you know, there's lots of little things that come into effect. One of the things I really love is diplomacy, where you have to manually activate your weapons or not, right? You feel like Captain Picard and you're like, activate weapon systems, you know, <laughs> something like that. And if you have your weapons activated while you're trying to, you know, do diplomacy with somebody, like an, an alien species or whatever, it impacts it. If you do diplomacy with your shields on, it impacts it, mm. you know? That's and every cool. system you can go and you can get into orbit around a planet and it's like orbit established and then you're just circling around the planet and you can then scan the planet and you scan it, scan complete, then you can run an analysis on what you find and it tells you like the predominant elements that you can harvest from that planet and all this type of stuff. And then when you, when you go to land, it brings up this grid map and you can like choose where you land. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, dude, it's epic. It sounds like epic. it was kind of ahead of its time. It, dude, yeah. I mean, I and I haven't played it. I remember googling pictures of it when you first talked about it, dude. But I, I still play it. I play it on a ROM. I have the copy of the game, but I just don't use my Sega. So, yeah. um, I should, uh, I should send you the ROM for that. That'd be cool. And you could play it for a little bit because yeah. the game is just. It is ahead <laughs> of its time, man. It was made in the eighties. Yeah. For what? Uh, That's for crazy. DOS, I think, and then. Uh, and then ported to Sega. And then it was ported to Sega in the 90s, yeah. Dang. So the game is even older, like, probably 10 years older than I thought it was. Wow. And, um... Well, hey, I mean, Star Trek Next Generation was, like, 87. Yeah. So it I sounds mean, like that probably really influenced it. Could have, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's my number 10. Um, it is so good. Just a complete... There's no real direction. You just... They're like, go find us a planet. You're like, Okay. <laughs> And then there's this whole map of stars that you explore one by one, basically. That's awesome. Cool. Well, my 10, I've talked about it a little bit recently just because of certain games I've been playing. But number 10 is Commandos 2 Men of Honor, um, which I don't know if it's really like the first of its kind in, in the sort of like stealth genre, but it was um, a pretty prominent one. I remember um, going to... I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. I think we went to like Walmart and then my parents went to Lowe's afterwards and we bought this game and it was like one of those gigantic computer game cases. Yeah. Remember how they used to be huge? Yeah. And I remember having that 
thing and I was sitting in the car waiting for my parents to get done at Lowe's and I was just staring at it like reading through all the captions and looking at the pictures and everything and I was so excited to play it and then go home pop it in and I just I played that game for hours Mm -hmm. and uh, this was at a time when I was really big into World War II and I was like learning everything I could about it and so it fit right in because it's World War II themed you have kind of this little squad of commandos and you have to like infiltrate the Nazis and and Japanese like uh, strongholds, and you know you're slowly picking off the enemy. And, and each character has like special abilities. Like one person person is like a demolition expert. Another guy is like Green Beret. You know he kills everyone with a knife. Yeah. And then uh, all all kinds of different characters. But I just remember um, installing it, and it has almost kind of like a not really hand painted. But it almost kind of has like a painted type of feel, the graphics. Well, you know, that's what they did back then. Yeah. They hand painted backgrounds. Yeah. And then you would just have your sprites move across these hand painted things. Like all the maps in StarCraft 2 or yeah. StarCraft 1 are, are hand painted. Oh, okay. they're, they're actual paintings. Huh. That's cool. Uh, Final Fantasy 7. Yeah. Hand painted. Gotcha. That's why, ever like, the graphics look really passable in that game because the only, um, you know, the only in-game sprites or whatever are the, are the characters. There's yeah. no, like, nothing else. And that's why when you get to Final Fantasy VIII, yeah, to me, it looks really bad in some ways because everything <laughs> is yeah. generated in-game or, you know, created in-game. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that was one thing that really drew me to Commanders 2 was just the way that they the levels looked. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... The whole thing is like all about game design because they've, it's like this puzzle that they've constructed and you have to figure out like in an open setting all the little cracks that they've like developed into each particular level. And, um, how many ways do you think is there to be a level? Just one? Or is um, there like a few? I think there's quite a bit. Um, because you can always do things that maybe weren't intended by the, the designers, like, um, you know, like shoot your gun off somewhere else and then like a guard like runs over to that particular spot and then you like ambush them. Mm-hmm. And then that opens up another little crack that you've made for yourself. So there's yeah. probably a lot of ways, although I think that they probably designed it with like a linear progression almost, right. you know. So that game really influential for me um and honestly up until recently i haven't hadn't played a game similar to it since then so i tried um commandos the original and it's kind of rough and then commandos 3 i haven't played but i picked up in a pack on steam and i kind of want to play it just to see what it's like, but it's it's not quite as like Commandos and, Two is the best. Yeah, it's definitely the best. It was it was up there on that top one hundred list somewhere. Nice. It's like eighty eight or something. Yeah. So if you guys haven't played it, um, it's a really great game. I opened it the other day, and it does look kind of dated now, yeah. but it's still super fun. So that's my t- that's my number ten. Sweet. So my next one, number nine, the only modern game that I have on the list: Pillars of Eternity. Uh, I've talked at length about this game <laughs> on the podcast, so I won't bore you guys too much except to say that it is a classic 
um, party-based, you know, RPG game, but with so many modern elements that it just reminds you, it's a, it's, it's a good reminder that graphics don't necessarily make the game, you yeah. know? I tell people this all the time, and, th- and that's why, like, a lot of my games are classics like Starflight. The gameplay is is way ahead of its time. Like, we actually haven't really gotten a game like Starflight since Starflight. Like, we've had some attempts, like No Man's Sky and things like that, which yeah. obviously are kind of like their own vert, like their own game, obviously. They're not, it's not like it's our take on Starflight. No, it's their own game, but, um, you know, like, remember playing Freelancer and you're always like, man, I wish I could, like, land on this planet, really. You know, yeah. you have to go through the stupid thing and then it's, like, a point-and-click menu and all this stuff and it's kind of disappointing. Well, like, that's the thing. Modern games, they focus a lot on certain things, like graphics and all this stuff. And Pillars of Eternity is a really good reminder that you can make a modern game with modern ideas and, and modern implementations, but not make necessarily make the graphics number one priority. That isn't to say that the graphics aren't great. They're yeah, really great. I love them. But, uh, you know, they focus... It's, you know, that kind of top-down isometric view. And so they're not necessarily a priority. You can play the game on low settings and and not miss anything. Yeah. You know, so... But anyway, Pillars of Eternity made by uh, um, Obsidian, the team behind several of my favorite games, um, including Fallout New Vegas, uh, the best of the Fallout series. Nice. Or maybe second best. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. On, it's on my list. I... I've played it a little bit, but I I really want to dig into it and go through the story because the just like some of the other isometric RPGs, the storyline is rich. Yeah, man, it's really good. The gameplay is rich, the storyline is rich. Of course, like the thing that I think really ma- makes lets me enjoy the game too is that this idea of um, uh, kind of the management elements that they put into it as well. So part of the game is, and I might have already spoiled this for you in the past, so again, sorry. About, but <laughs> right away in the game, you get like a base. Like okay. maybe an hour, maybe two hours into the game, you get a, a castle that's yours. Oh, wow. You cool. become like the warden of this castle. Oh, that's awesome. And and then you um, can, as you earn money and stuff like that, you can spend it to upgrade your castle to then get better benefits. So that when you rest at the castle, you can pick which benefits you get. Oh, that's cool. Um, and, you know, your party will hang out there. And as you play the game, you can uh, tackle obstacles and objectives in such a way that you get allies to help you when your castle ever comes under siege. Dang. It makes me want to play it even more now. The game is so good. <laughs> I don't know why you don't play yeah. it, man. Like, I know. Anyway, so Pillars yeah. of Eternity, uh, that's my number nine. Cool. My number nine is Roller Coaster Tycoon, um, which was one of, honestly, the first PC games that I was really invested in. Growing up, I had like a DOS computer, and I played some games, but nothing quite as intensely as Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, we got like a new computer, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade. And this was one of the first games that I had. I remember going over to my friend Daryl's house, mm-hmm. and he had like a new computer that was like a Pentium two or three, <laughs> and we thought it was like so awesome. And I played that game for hours at his house, and then as soon as I got it at home, that was like the go-to pick. Um, what I love about that game is you can kind of just like get lost in in maintaining your park, you yeah. know. And there's all these little things that just make it interesting and fun. Like one thing that I remember is just looking at each individual guest and seeing like 
you know, what they like, what they don't like, if they're yeah. happy, yeah. you know, and there's all these things like individual guests are, some are like more queasy than others. Yeah. And so like on certain rides, yeah. like, they, they get off the ride and then they just barf everywhere. And, uh, is this the same one too, where like basically you play and you get points and then you can, you unlock like new like parks basically. Yeah. So you have like the Halloween themed park and like the, I can't remember all the parks, but that is how it works. You're, you, it's either like a certain rating for your park or a certain amount of money or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, you start off with ones that are a little bit easier, uh, to, you know, easier challenges. And then as you go, you unlock more parks and some of them like come pre-built with roller coasters and they might have like, they need to be upgraded and stuff like that. And, um, so that, yeah, that was always fun. One of the best tycoon games for sure. Oh, for sure. And it, I feel like it, like there was the sim games like sim city and everything like that. But roller coaster tycoon was kind of this new Avenue of it. And it just did it so well. And now, like, learning that it was made all in assembly mm-hmm. is so crazy, yeah. dude. I don't know how they did that. But, um, yeah, it's really cool. I, I had a good time because um, you could pick rides that they've pre-built for you. Mm-hmm. Or they had, like, the the roller coaster builder, yeah. which was always fun. And then you could go into each individual roller coaster and tweak the settings. Like, every single kid who played that game made that loop-to-loop ride and yeah. then shot the speed up to, like, 100, and then everyone just flies, yeah. like, shoots off the ride and, like, dies in a fiery explosion. So good. <laughs> or or every single kid picked up a guest and dropped them in water mm-hmm. and let them, like, struggle yeah. and then pick them back up. It's, like, this whole almost, like, black-and-white element. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You feel like a god. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, since I didn't put any uh, management style games on here, I want to talk about this genre a little bit more, just real quick. Yeah. So, like SimCity 2000 oh, was yeah. so good. Like, so good. What a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Roller Coaster Tycoon is one of the greats. One of my favorites was Sim Theme Hospital, mm-hmm. which was um, basically it was just a hospital management game where you yeah. had to like have. Um, you know, you had to manage your staff just like in Roller Coaster Tycoon, you know, where you have to have like the right amount of janitors or whatever, yeah. and all the stuff, right, right amount of doctors. You had to have desks for these people. You had to have examination rooms, operating rooms, all this stuff. And then like people would come and go and are like, they happy with the hospital service that yeah. you provide? <laughs> but one that I was interested in if you ever played was Sim Golf. Did you ever play that one? I never did, but I know oh you were really God, into that Sim game golf. is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. yeah, man. You like build your own golf course on there. And it's uh, just like, just like, uh, just like Roller Coaster Tycoon where it's all top down, but you make your own golf course and you would direct it and all these things and you can add in your own sand bunkers and uh, awesome. greens and things like that yeah and then you have to deal with like wildlife being on your golf course you have to deal with like uh putting houses on there like sometimes it'll be come up and be like you know this celebrity wants to build a house on your golf course for ten thousand dollars like do you allow them to live there but then they could like screw up the whole vibe yeah. of your golf course you right know? <laughs> Um, things like that. So, That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I oh, always dude. thought you should play that one. It would, it would be fun to just go down a deep dive and play every single Sorry. sim game, like, made from Maxis. Because I remember, like, growing up, they had so many. Like, I, I was really big into SimCity 2000, but also Sim Park, which, like, I feel like almost no one has played. I've never heard of it. It was so good. It was like, you make this park and you 
like attract animals and people and you yeah. need to make it safe for them. But then there's also like Simcopter, right. Sim Tower, Sim Ant. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Uh, what was the one? Is it Sim Tower that I was thinking of? That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, also, um, in the same vein as like the Godwin thing in SimCity 2000, you get your city all big and then you're like, all right, bring in the disasters. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, uh, there was a kind of a fun management game that I always really liked. And it's not in the same vein at all, but I, 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 I gotta mention it. Um, it was called, um, oh no. What was it called? The what? Pinata game for Xbox 360? Uh, I can't oh, remember oh, the name. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It came with my Xbox 360. Dude, that game's amazing. <laughs> you, like, manage your little garden. Viva Pinata. There it is. Yeah, Viva Pinata. Yes. <laughs> this game is amazing. You manage your garden and animals come, and, and it kind of has, like, a collect them all vibe, like Pokemon. And nice. You got to meet certain requirements in your garden to have certain animals come. It's just like, yeah. yeah. God, I love that game. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. What's your one? number eight? Yeah. Okay, so I realized earlier while we were talking that um, this game that I picked uh, wasn't actually my number eight, and I replaced it, but now oh. that I've replaced it, I don't remember what it is. Oh, what so this one is not your number eight? Yeah, correct. Oh. Shit. I don't remember what it is. What why, why, is why don't you talk about this one and say why it's not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wrote Armored Core, but when we were talking about Again, when we were talking about one of your games, I was like, oh, I got to replace this. And I was just going to remember it. I should have oh. said for you to replace it for me so that I would remember. Dang. Um, but regardless, so I picked Armored Core as my number eight. And even though it's not on there anymore, this game was pretty influential in my life. And I played it a bunch. And Armored Core is basically like an action shooter type game where you pilot these gigantic um, armored mechs. And you can customize them fully. You can pick the type of, like, legs you have. You can either have, like, these spider legs and, like, whoosh, slide across <laughs> the ground. Or you can have tank tracks and, like, roll around. You can have regular, like, bipedal legs. Um, and then not only that, but you can kind of fly. You have, like, jet back, jet boosters and stuff like that to jump and fly around. And you... What system is that for? PlayStation. Okay. And uh, you had, like, a beam sword that you could, like, cut people up with and a gun. And you had, like, shoulder weapons. I feel like I remember seeing this, like, at the rental store. Dude, this game is amazing. <laughs> and it spawned, like, this whole love affair I have with giant mechs. Um, which is just a very <laughs> Japanese thing. Oh, okay. I played this game. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun one. Oh, you know what? I should have replaced this. There's so many games I just thought of that are way better. But Dude, it's so hard to pick t the top ten. I thought if we like expanded it to ten, it would be easier. Right. Instead of like top oh three. top three. Yeah. But it is so hard to pick. Yeah. Armored Core. Uh, I, and I put it on there just because too. I played it just recently too. I I brought out my old PlayStation uh, for a, a house guest that I've had. So I've been kind of playing some of these old games again, just kind of seeing what they were like. Yeah. Seeing if they live up to the hype, you know? Because like one thing, like as graphics keep getting better. Whenever I play on modern graphics, I'm like, man, graphics are so good, but they're not that much better than they used to be. Yeah. Are you thinking of Bushido Blade? Yes. Or? Yeah. Yeah. That that reminded me. <laughs> I, I realized, too, as we were going through these, I don't have a single game that's not PC. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick a top 
uh, PlayStation game, Bushido Blade would probably be that. Yeah, that I mean, that, I was gonna, awesome. I was thinking about putting Bushido Blade on my list yeah. too because that was one I just recently played. Yeah. Well, when you started talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, Bushido Blade. Yeah, dude. dude. Uh, Bushido Blade was fun because it's basically this samurai fighting game and it has a limited pool of characters, like eight characters or something like that, that each, and then you can kind of pick your own weapon. But what's fun is like each character actually has like a specific weapon that is like their best with. Yeah. But you can pick whatever weapon you want. And they've got like a pole staff, they've got like a rapier, a saber, a katana, die katana, all these types of things. But what's it sets it apart from other fighting games is that there's no health bar. Yeah. You can win a fight in one hit. Yeah. If you have a clean hit to their face or like right. to their heart, you can uh win immediately. Yeah. Um Well that game I remember playing that for the first time. It was the first game I ever played where it was like a fighting game. But yeah, it was it could be super quick mm-hmm. or it could be really long and drawn out and no swings yeah. happen. No like yeah. you know? And then also you could like uh take the sand off the ground yeah. and throw it in their face and yeah. then like try and hit them yeah you had like it's little like, throwing weapons that you could use like some people had shurikens others had yeah. like knives that you could then like re-pick up yeah like, you could toss dirt in their face you had all these different poses like for a playstation one game the fighting system was really in depth because yeah. you had all these different stances that yeah. you could do you had a high stance medium stance low stance and then you had a whole array of moves in each stance yeah you had and just like uh one of the things that i think really sets apart uh, like Soul Calibur 2 is like one of the best fighting games ever or just Soul Calibur in general is like you have kind of a lot more control over your swings you have vertical swing horizontal swing all this type of stuff and then depending on your stance and you can change stance like mid combo and like start doing the complete, <laughs> like the game is just amazing uh, I probably spent a lot of but we're talking about Armored Core <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which doesn't even belong on my list because I'm going to replace it with something else but um God, I wish I could remember what it was, but yeah. if I remember it, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. Also, anyway. you guys should play Bushido Blade, because it's freaking awesome. I really want to play it now. Yeah, I was thinking that we should figure out a way to like stream playing Bushido Blade oh. one of these days. Well, as we were talking about that, it kind of almost reminds me in a way of when we were watching sumo wrestling in Japan. Yes. Because it's kind of like... it's that It can be that fast. Yeah. You know? it, like, well, it can be that fast, and it's also like the strategy and kind of like faking each other out with like, oh, I'm going to attack you. I'm, yeah. Nope, I'm not going to attack yeah. you. You know, and then everyone's like inching yeah. forward. You're like trying to get that, like, because, you know, you can block stuff or you can parry and you can do all this stuff. And yeah. it's like you want to goad out their block so that you can like get a fast hit in yeah. off them and stuff like that. <laughs> it's so fun. Uh but anyway, Armored Core is really good. And uh, what's funny is about about Armored Core is I also really liked the second one. And all of like the all of the ones for PlayStation 1 are really good. And there's a there's an array of them, like maybe three or four. Um, they're really well done. But uh, the customization is what's fun. And then also that, like, the game really shines in its multiplayer mode. And for years, the game was known for its, uh, like, connective multiplayer so it's like one of the first games that I was ever aware of outside of the PC space where you could basically land your PlayStations oh, cool. and play on separate screens. And that's when the game really shined because then you're playing on these big maps and you're yeah. attacking each other and you're flying around. Um, but the customization is what really, really shines for me in that game. And there's like, you know, everything's upgradable. You know, you have your like radar unit, your targeting computer. You can upgrade all of your weapons. You know, you can have certain types of guns in your hands that have different strengths. Shoulder-mounted weapons. You could have, like, a grenade launcher that'll, like, kill almost anything, but it only has, like, ten shots, you know? And you have missiles that lock on automatically, or you can have rockets that you have to, like, aim manually. And Yeah. The game is addicting. 
Uh, I just thought of another game. Because, so, I didn't have Nintendo, but I had a Sega and I had PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it would fit on this list, but uh, in honorable mentions, Twisted Metal, dude. Twisted Metal yeah. 2, especially. Yeah, Twisted Metal was good. Good games. Anyways, um, yeah. all right. My number eight is Dungeon Siege. Shout out to Manbeard Games. Nice. <laughs> uh, so well, did, did he make Dungeon Siege? No, but he's, <laughs> he's like one of the only other people I know who like really likes Dungeon Siege. And I've seen him. I'm pretty sure he's streamed it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Dungeon Siege was one of those that you either loved it or you hated it. Also, I remember what should have replaced number eight for me. Oh, yeah. But I'll let you talk about this first. Okay. Um, so Dungeon Siege was probably the first RPG I ever played. And I was a pretty sheltered kid. So like. Anything that had magic in it, I wasn't really allowed to play. Ooh. Um, and all this that was mysticism. Yeah, all that Satanistic like <laughs> magic, whatever. <laughs> um, so like I wasn't allowed to play Diablo, as we've probably talked about. Um, but Dungeon Siege, I think I was in seventh grade when I got it. It was the first RPG I ever played. And I just like loved this whole medieval element to it. Mm-hmm. Um and being able to control your parties, like our even like the pack mules that you got, it was yeah. like satisfying, like having your little pack mule, you know. And I hadn't played a game like that before, so I mean, compared to a lot of other RPGs, I don't think Dungeon Siege really compares. But it, this this pick for me is purely nostalgic. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind going back and playing it just to see what it's like. But did you ever play Dungeon Siege two? Uh, yes. I think there was a third one, too. There was a third one. I think I played one and two, and they were both pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, and then three, I I think I played it for a little bit. Probably came out, like, while you were in college. Yeah, I was I was older, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of like, meh, it's yeah. not that great. So, um... Yeah, I always kind of liked the Dungeon Siege games, but honestly, I just never got into them. Yeah, I can understand. Um, I don't know. My brother loved Dungeon Siege 1. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of my exposure to it. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I really have to say about it. So my true number eight, I remembered. Gothic. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that wasn't on there. And the way Which I remember one? that, uh, Gothic 1. Okay. Gothic 2 is actually a way better game, but without Gothic 1, you don't get Gothic 2. Um, Gothic 2 is more the same of Gothic 1, just a bigger world. And more to do, which um, I always really liked about it. And it's, like, more visceral. It was, like, way more adult, which I thought was, like, <laughs> crazy, you know? Um, but Gothic 1, man, it just managed to do this, like, really cool thing in the 90s, you know, for yeah. a PC game. And if you haven't played it, it's a really good, just kind of straightforward adventure game. You play this guy, and there's, like, this magical prison and once you're thrown into the barrier, you can't leave or you'll die. Like, the barrier will kill you. But you can go in. And basically, you go around and there's all these, like, different factions in this, like, in this prison colony. And they've basically taken over. Um, and, you know, there's no, like, real guards anymore. It's just run by the prisoners now. And so there's, like, one faction... Um, that, you know, you start off within this big city and then there's this, like, faction of people that, like, live in the swamp. And then there's, like, this faction of people that, like, live in this cave, yeah. you know. And basically you just go through this storyline of, like, doing quests and fighting bad guys and clearing tunnels and and doing stuff until you get to the very end where you fight this, like, godlike creature that lives there and he, like, brings down the barrier. And that's how number two starts. You start the game, like, right away <laughs> from where you left off. 
Yeah, I remember you talking about that game a lot when we first became friends. Yeah, and I, it's I, really good. I got this gaming laptop right before I was going to college, and I was so stoked because it played Oblivion yeah. on full full specs or whatever. But you like gave me Gothic three to try, which was oh, also yeah. like a really graphical intensive yeah, yeah. game at the time. It was a AAA title that and, it never stuck. Yeah, I don't think it was that good. But, yeah, but Gothic one and two were. Basically more of the same game, like Gothic 1 just, like, it had less, you know? Yeah. And Gothic 2 came out the same year that Morrowind came out, and they really competed. They were, like, the AAA titles of the year, you know? Um, But uh, clearly Morrowind won that fight. Yeah. But anyway, Gothic. Nice. uh, Really fun, uh, really fun game, where you could do things like, you know, you could, like, grind out your weapons on, on, you know, millstone wheels and stuff (laughs) like that. Nice. Yeah, it was just really fun always like trying to get new better weapons and armor yeah. and stuff and I I remember you talking about it too cuz you could like do drugs. And yeah, like... this is what you always say whenever I think of this game, which is just like, I don't probably... ever remember saying, why well, would I, like, I'm remember me sure. in high school, man? Like, why would I have been like, dude, you could do drugs? Well, I'm pretty sure you were, like, explaining this game to me and you're like, you could do anything, even drugs. <laughs> Uh, and like no, you live game. out your fantasies. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think any games at that time. Maybe I don't. Could you even do drugs in GTA or I don't know? I don't, I'm not time, sure, but but I mean, yeah. it was just like tobacco that you would smoke. It's yeah, like the okay. equivalent of them being like, "Oh, smoking the long bottom weed." Yeah. <laughs> it's swamp weed, is what they called it in the uh, game. You right. smoke the finest swamp weed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, <laughs> taking up way too much time. That's on okay. This list. Uh, do you want to go to seven, or do you want me to go? Uh, I, <laughs> you like I just went. But. All right. So my number seven is Stardew Valley, um, a, a recent game. If you guys haven't played it, you should, especially if you're an indie game developer. Yeah, this is um, like the true indie game story of yeah, my life. I mean, I heard about it because a friend of mine at work was like, dude, this guy came out with basically Harvest Moon and he was like a millionaire now. Yeah. And so I was like interested and then I played it and like, Played it 20 hours in, like, three days or something. It's super addictive. I do really like Harvest Moon. Uh, Growing up, I played that at a friend's house um, quite a bit. Um, So it reminds me a lot of of Harvest Moon. But just the the backstory behind it, the cute pixel art. I mean, it it really kind of got me into this mode where I was thinking, like, hey, I could make a game, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So it's just an inspirational game, and I'm sure everyone who's listening knows about it. What's your favorite aspect of the game? <clears throat> um, How, what's I, your favorite way of like making money? Like what was, when you first started, yeah. like what was the thing you focused on to make money? Fishing. Yeah. Actually, me too. Yeah. <laughs> the fishing games are so the, fun. Yeah. The, the and fishing. I really, I really liked trying to catch every single fish. Yeah. Well, that's hard to do too, yeah. because there's some that only come out like when it rains in fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and at, only night. Come at night and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever caught like the legendary like river monster fish? I don't think so. That's like the one in the rivers I can't catch. Okay. Yet, but. Yeah. There's so in the game, you have to like restore the like city center or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I, I finished a bunch of the little quests in there, but the one that was I was really focused on getting, but it always eluded me, was fishing. Because yeah. you have to... Like, when I first started playing, I went through, like, a whole year and didn't really realize that only... Fi- like, certain fish came out at certain times. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, damn, I got to wait another, like, three three seasons or whatever to get yeah. the one that I needed, so... 
Yeah, got um, it. That game's fun. Yeah, I like that. The farming aspect's really fun, too. Um, I never got to the point where I was, like, automating things, but I've seen people do that yeah. with their farms where they have, like, pipes running everywhere. They don't even have to water anything yeah, anymore. Yeah, for you. Um, so See, I, I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind restarting, a, like, a campaign or whatever. Do it. Um, at some point, but... What's stopping you? Uh, just lots of other games I'm playing, so... There you go. Are they on your top ten list? Some of them, yeah. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right, what's your number seven? Number seven for me, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 8. Mm-hmm. The finest of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. <laughs> uh, if you guys aren't familiar, like I say for every game, <laughs> uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms is kind of like a strategy game, I guess, for lack of a better term. And in this particular iteration, I think all the iterations, you basically kind of play as a certain hero in the Three Kingdoms era of China, which I don't remember specifically when that was, but, you know, it's kind of like feudal China, I guess. Yeah. There's different lords and things like this and great generals battling out huge battles for supremacy of China or whatever. And and uh, in this game, you play as basically a person and you kind of flesh out your character however you want basically a person you play as a person (laughs) and you can flesh out your abilities however you want i generally like to like custom create characters but you can play as any of the historical characters that are like and it's the same characters that are in dynasty warriors right that's three kingdoms era so like uh, lu bei and cow cow and like all of these guys um and um, but you can flesh out your character however you want. You can focus more on strategy and be like a really powerful general and be able to like control, um, battles in ways with like magic and like special abilities and traps and stratagems. Or you can be like a big fighter type and you can like duel people for honor and like lead huge numbers of troops into battle. Um, but there's like lots of politics and stuff too, you know? And, um, well, if I remember right, isn't this game strictly like a menu type game? Yeah, it's a completely yeah. menu based <laughs> game, yeah. So, and so there's like the map of China and it's divided into provinces and you can travel from province to province and you go to the city and there's like a generally a person that's in charge of that province and they have vassals that are sworn to them and you can swear vassalage to them and like they're your boss and now you do what they say and eventually you can work your way up to be a provincial like governor or whatever and then you have vassals and then, or you can set out on your own and start like conquering provinces yourself and things like this. So that's, what's fun about it. But yeah, it's all menu based Yeah, (laughs) and and you do different things. You know, you have to work, uh, generally you have to train, you have to like maintain relationships with people. So it's kind of this like juggling act of things. Is do you get like action points for the day? Yeah. You have action points for the day. Gotcha. Um, and, and so generally it allows you to do like a few actions per turn. And actually a turn is a season. Okay. So oh, gotcha. it's, it's like goes by the seasons. See, but. it's reminded me of, and I think we talked about this as we were building our first game. Yeah, it reminds me a lot game. of our text game that yeah. we we're working on. That was the whole idea. Yeah. Actually was, I was focused. I was really thinking about this and that's why like, <laughs> we talked about this a couple months ago. I was like, we should revisit that. Text I know, what yeah. we ought to do. We ought to start just like, we should, we should get like a graphic of like the city and like implement a menu system yeah, for it. That would, like, be, how, that would yeah. be hard at all. No. Could do that on a weekend. Oh, dude, we could make that game in Unity like no problem. Right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea that we were yeah. like coding every single thing by hand. The ASCII art was epic, but yeah. Um, did we, uh, you think anybody <laughs> we, who's listened to this has seen that? 
that game. Yeah, like we probably. used to include like the, I know the Execute. code and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, probably not. We'd have to dig it up. We where we got stuck was freaking blackjack. Yeah, well, dude, it's like it was more code than like the whole game combined so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's exactly where I was getting a lot of inspiration. It was that and uh, Way of the Samurai were like my two kind of motivations for nice. like that the idea and kind of like I guess Zelda Majora's Mask but yeah but anyway so that's that's my game Romance of Three Kingdoms 8 which I just played the other day just to see what it was like because I really want I've been like I should stream this game because <laughs> it's so fun yeah. you just get in the zone you're not oh, even yeah. reading the menus anymore you just memorize the button presses you know <laughs> yeah. you just like know exactly what you want to do uh, it's funny so yeah great game Romance of Three Kingdoms 8 specifically 8 yeah um, how many are there now like 13 or something right dude I'm pretty sure like 15 just came oh, out God. and I it looks pretty good is actually. it on PC now it might be yeah you know what I I played all the way up to 11 and I loved 10 was really good like I heard 9 was pretty bad like 7 and 8 were pretty cool because like you could play 7 and then port your character into 8 if oh, you wanted see, that's cool so that was kind of cool yeah. I heard 9 was kind of a letdown and then 10 I thought was really good and so was 11. However, it the it lost its appeal a little bit because what was fun about 8 was that you could um, play multiplayer and you just do like controller swap multiplayer mm. or you could do multiplayer and just control a bunch of characters yourself or whatever but um, you, they lost that functionality in 10 and 11 I think oh, really? or at least 11 huh. weird yeah, maybe right? they got bad feedback or something. I don't, I don't know honestly, yeah. but it was one of the main features of the game, in my opinion, like that made it so enjoyable because you could sit there with your friends and like duke it out or like swear allegiance to each other and like yeah, you know, work together that way. I don't know, it's fun. That sounds cool. All right, number six. My number six is Halo. Yeah, dude. Halo One. Oh my god, dude. That theme too is so epic. Yeah, dude. I, I love this game. Uh, yeah, Halo 2001, man. I think I played it before. Well, I was going to say it was right around that same time as 9 11, man. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, well, because, like, yeah, I don't know. My friend Danny had an Xbox and he came over to my house and spent the night and we, like, played it until we beat it that night. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so epic. Dude, um, when you were, like, on the Pillar of Autumn and, like, basically duking it out with the with the um guy the robot <laughs> oh oh uh the li- library it's i don't know the spark guilty spark whatever yeah is that him anyway that yeah when you're like duking it out with him and then you got to get off the ship as it's yeah. exploding oh my god like, yeah. it doesn't get more epic i than know that, dude yeah like well so the story in that game was amazing the first the the campaign experience like at that time was unrivaled like it was one of the most epic up until that point i mean still to this day i think it's one of the best first player for or single player first person shooter campaigns um i mean it's it was so well done that it could support several good books yeah right yeah some of the books were so good yeah like some of them are really bad, but I, I think I only read three of them. What's funny, actually, is <laughs> so my old coworker who just retired, she's like, I don't know, in her mid 60s. She was always reading stuff and she's big into sci fi and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And we would talk about books every once in a while. We work at a library. And one day I was like, What are you reading, Janice? And she's like, Oh, I'm reading this book. I think it's called Hollow. 
And I was like, hollow, huh? Never heard of it. She's like, yeah, they have like this whole like interstellar, like politic thing going on. And there's like, you know, she's like ext- describing this backstory. I'm First like, of all, how I'm like, a reader be think that it's called a hollow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she, well, she had this thing where she uh, pronounced people's names. Like she always said, uh, we, there's, we have a coworker named Teresa and she always said Theresa. So I don't know. She just has an interesting way of pronouncing Did nobody things. ever correct her? No. I don't know. It's a... Anyways. <laughs> but, so she's explaining this to me. I'm like, weird, that kind of sounds like Halo. And then she shows me the book. Yeah. Sure enough. It's like a backstory about Halo. Yeah. Which one was it? Because <laughs> the best one is The Fall of Reach. That might be That's it? the one I don't that know. describes the Spartan program. Okay. That created... Master Chief. That might have been it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I always thought that was funny. So, I mean, here you are, like a non-video game person, like super into the story on this game, you know? So, amazing story. Also, though, that game, like, took us over by storm in terms of, like, kids at that time playing games. Mm -hmm. Anywhere you would go, you would go play, like, four-person split-screen Halo. Yeah, you know, we even had competitions at our school, at our high school. Yeah, like for homecoming week, we had uh, a Halo turn, Halo Two tournament yeah. at that time. So, and God, I just had so much fun. Like, there's a couple times like that will just stick with me for a long time. Where so our friend Lee, um, he lived in Florida or California at that time, yeah. and he came back for like summer. And we played Halo together, and there we were playing the campaign, mm-hmm. and he had this rocket launcher, and like it had just quick saved, and like the way the place that it quick saved, he had the rocket launcher at my feet, <laughs> and it, we would he would shoot every single time, and it would kill us. I think we were playing on legendary, so if yeah. anyone dies, you have to start over. Yeah. He just probably for twenty straight minutes, he shot. He shot at my feet and killed me, like, right away. And so it became, like, this little game where we were laughing our asses off. And I'm, like, trying to escape and get away before, like, we have to reload. (laughs) So there's that. And then also... Warthog Wars. Um, Warthog Wars. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Blood Gulch. Yeah. You get, you get the Warthogs, and in Halo 1, they were impenetrable. Yeah. So we would, like, go all the way across the map and run into each yeah. other and just see how high we would fly. Yeah. You know? So there's all these stupid little mini games that we, like, made up inside of that game, which just make it super memorable. Yeah. And we were doing that in anticipation for Halo 2 to come out. We're like, God, this game is so good. Like, we have to keep playing it until Halo 2 comes out. That was the first game. Halo 2 is the first game I waited in line for at midnight. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, man. That game was amazing. And just the (laughs) storyline, it it really stands out. I mean, Bungie made something that is still part of, like, pop culture to this day. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yep. All right. My number six is Metal Gear Solid. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> moving on <laughs> um, and in fact I I, um, I gotta say this because I've played all f- well I've played five of the games and they're all really good in their own way Metal Gear Solid 1 um, is like kind of, I don't know it, especially playing like Shadow Tactics uh, lately uh, co- it comes up a lot because like I in my mind I kind of compare Shadow Tactics a lot to Metal Gear Solid even though it's probably more close to Commandos or something yeah, like that sure but Metal Gear Solid was, like, the first, like, real stealth game that I ever played. Yeah. 
And I just loved the character. I loved the world that it existed in with these like super assassins and things like that. This world of, and this kind of ties in with why Armored Core kind of made it to the list is like this idea of like this world of mercenaries, right? That yeah. which Armored Core had too. Like you had to be like a special, you were a raven, a pilot of these Armored Corps, powerful mechs, you know? And in Metal Gear Solid, there was the band Foxhound and they were legendary on the battlefield and they would go to these hot <laughs> zones and they would like, you know, and everybody was legendary. Oh, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I loved the world, and I kind of loved, like, the conspiracy theory side of it, too. Like, Hideo Kojima, the guy who made the game, like, just the most obscene things thrown into it, you know? It's like, at the end of the first game, like, one of the characters, the, one of the guys that you beat, like, he's still alive, ultimately, and the game ends after the credits, and it's like a, a ringing, boop, boop, and it picks up, and it's like, Yes, and it's like Mr. President, you know, and there's like talking directly <laughs> to the president, like so. There's this like weird conspiratorial thing going on in the game, but and it's all about very. It's like very Cold War oriented. It's yeah. very like oriented around nuclear war and all this stuff. This, the storyline is like top tier in my opinion. The voice acting is so good yeah. in Metal Gear Solid One, and then of course it was just lots of replayability because you could kind of replay it. And there's like kind of not necessarily uh, different storylines, but uh, you know there was two alternate endings in the first one that you could get. Uh, which is fun, and you could yeah. like unlock different things. One gave you stealth camouflage, so you could just run around and be invisible, which is always fun. <laughs> um, and then there was the bandana, which gave you unlimited ammunition, so you oh, just like nice. use any gun for the whole time. Which is fun. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really good game in my opinion. And two was just as good, if not better. Three was just as good, if not better. Four was uh, like four was good, although I was probably the least good one. And then 5, I've been playing 5, and that game is just, like, off the charts game. Yeah. It's so fun. Nice. Going to number 5? Yeah. All right. You guys have heard me talk about it. Red just mentioned it. I don't know how this game, like, slipped in here, but my God, is it good. It's really good, yeah. Shadow Except Tactics. Taylor plays it in English, so. No, I switched. Okay, good. Yeah, I, <laughs> as soon as you told me that, I switched. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun. My God. Yeah, I've talked about it a lot the last couple episodes, so I won't go too far into it, but. It's good. It's so good. It brings me back to Commandos 2, uh, which also is on my list, and it was crazy. Like, I was playing it the other night <clears throat> in my bed. And Allie's sitting next to me. We're just hanging out and playing it. And she, like, looks over at me, and she's like, you having fun? I'm like, yeah. Like, I, this game, like, I don't know how. It's, like, top five for sure all-time yeah. games. And here it is, number five. So yes. I highly recommend it. Um, you guys just missed a bundle if you don't have it, where it was 15 bucks. But honestly, knowing – I've put 20 hours into it already, which for me that's – quite a bit of gaming yeah. uh in recent years so it's it's worth full price right now yeah um, so absolutely I, I think i bought it for 40 bucks yeah it's so good and it was made in unity which is cool because yeah. then you kind of like i'm sitting there playing and i'm like oh so like how did they do this particular thing you yeah. know and like i'm thinking about it because it's a technology i know so this it's pretty cool yeah so excellent my next game final fantasy 7 some of you will argue that final fantasy 6 is better you're not wrong uh, but Final Fantasy VII makes a list for me because it was the first uh, first one that I played. I think it was the first one that I played. Um, I think I played six afterwards on the Super Nintendo, of course. But uh, Final Fantasy VII like, took over my childhood when I was a kid because it was like the first PlayStation game. My brother got a PlayStation for Christmas. 
and it was like included with it, right? So it's like nice. I would watch him play it yeah. all the time. <laughs> and yeah, I just loved like sit, staying up late, like reading the dialogue that was happening, like watching him get into battles and seeing how he's going to like do it, you yeah. know? And, and then of course it stands apart from six um, as well because of my favorite activity in the game, which is uh, Chocobo breeding and <laughs> yeah. racing. Yeah. I love that whole aspect. And then of course later as time goes on, you can just go and do any of the mini games like all the time, this uh, snowboarding mini game, the submarine mini game, uh, things like that are really fun. Um, and ultimately the storyline is just top tier characters are fun. The world is fun. Bad guys are good. Yeah. See, like I kind of, sometimes I wish that I had an older brother to kind of like show me the ropes. Cause like when I had a PlayStation, I didn't get any of like the standard games. I didn't get Metal Gear Solid. I didn't get any of the Final Fantasy games. I had Crash Bandicoot. It's like, kind of a standard. It's kind of a standard. I never um, played those games. And Tomb Raider. Like, I never quite got into those types of games. Like, I, yeah. I got into... Yeah, I guess I got into all the games I got into because of my brother. Yeah. But And what's fun about it, too, is all the... Like, I always think about this. The things that you inherit from having an older brother who plays video games. Yeah. Like, I memorized the first three dungeons in Ocarina of Time... Uh, just from watching my brother do it. So the first time I played it, I beat, like, the first three dungeons you do as a kid in, like, you know, two hours or something like that. And it's just yeah. because I had it memorized. Like, all the puzzles I just knew how to do. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so smart, but it really wasn't, like... And what's funny is how I still do stuff like that, where everything's, like, so formulaic to me in games. Yeah. And especially Final Fantasy VII. Sometimes I pop that in, and I do everything the exact same way that I would have done it. 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of also is nostalgia, I think. Yeah. It's like you want to relive that experience, so you do it Yeah, kind of the same way. Yeah. And I always just loved the whole storyline in Final Fantasy VII. You know, he's got, like, these memory problems, and he's this, like, soldier and all this stuff. But then there's this, like, weird aspect that uncovers as you play it that he's actually a clone of a person. Oh. And, you know... Um, so I don't know. I just, I loved kind of the way that it mixed it up into my little young mind, you know, yeah. I was so blown away by, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, and like one of the best arcs in the game is like when you, ha when your mind is like broken and your friends have to like go into your mind and like repair your memories and things like that. And that's when you find out there's all these like weird little aspects that are just, yeah, the game's great. Nice. And the music is top oh, yeah. tier. Music, music is, is really top good. tier. Yeah. All right, number four. I got the original Knights of the Old Republic. I don't know. I think it's one of the greatest RPGs of all time. Yeah. Um, probably, in my opinion, the greatest Star Wars game of all time. Easily. Um, one thing I love about... I mean, the storyline is epic. Um, but it, like, it was one of the first games that I remember that... Um, or playing, at least, that you become, you're a Jedi. Yeah. And they make you work for it. Yeah. It's like 10 hours until you get your lightsaber, but then you get it. And my God, it, it was so awesome. satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure most of you guys out there have played it. Um, number two is pretty good. I Number two is just as good. Yeah. It's um, different though. That's the problem is like people, I think it's, 
the storyline is more like subdued. It's like yeah. it's like not as like galactic as the first one is, which yeah. is like a dumb a dumb <laughs> adjective to use, but yeah. you know, like this first one ends with this epic space battle, the Republic versus, you know, this like remnant of the Sith and yeah. and they've got the Star Forge and they're cranking out unlimited ships and it comes down to this epic standoff you have with your former apprentice. Yeah. And you know, you're just laying the beat down on this guy, <laughs> hoping, you know, that yeah. you can save the galaxy. Right. Or take over the galaxy or whatever, yeah. you know. Whichever way you, you chose. Well, a couple things I love about it too. Um, it like put a new spin on Star Wars at that time. Mm-hmm. I think around the same time that prequels were coming out. Yeah, um, probably true. And so we were kind of getting like this new aspect of what Star Wars could be. Um, and this brings you back. That's why it's called the Old Republic. It brings you way back. 5,000 years um, before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. Uh, and, but it still has those similar things. Like you're talking to the huts, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. Planets that you had heard like mentioned about. It's like, well, it's fun about this game too, is it's like, it's like planets that might've been mentioned in expanded universe stuff and things like this, but hadn't really been explored all that much. Yeah. Save for like maybe Nar Shaddaa, which was featured pretty prominently in the Han Solo books. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was fun because like, yeah, here's this like Jedi council, but they're not on Coruscant, they're on Onderon, which you hear mention. Yeah. Um, from Princess Leia in episode four. She's like, oh no, she says Dantooine. Oh, they're on Dantooine, yeah. not Onderon, sorry. Okay. Onderon is uh, is in number two. Dantooine. She's like, they're on Dantooine. Yeah, and then they blow it up. And, <laughs> yeah, dude, they uh, blow up um, Alderaan. But, uh... Oh. Oh yeah, you're right. Not Dantooine. Yeah. Yeah, either way. Yeah, I, I also really love the... Just the whole light side and dark side yeah, that it's they like did. One of those this. like first games that like well not it's one of the more prominent games that allowed you to kind of like yeah. pick your side and right. like, really play it up with choices like that. Well, and they just made you feel so epic either side that you pick because yeah. you like go to the character portrait or whatever like yeah, the, and, the screen yeah. and you're just like yeah you're the light is real dark yeah you're looking real light yeah. yeah you just always feel like a badass in that game yeah. um and also i think it was really well done with the the dialogue system mm-hmm. um that was something that was fun yeah. and and of course like coming fresh off the heels of their work on like neverwinter nights and stuff yeah what i think really made the game fun is that they just implemented the d20 system yeah into this game so it's d20 dungeons and dragons but star wars right yeah the combat it's not like you know you hit somebody and they die right it's yeah it's it's turn-based turn-based in kind of a what almost feels live you know yeah yeah sure but yeah uh, that game's really really well done yep all right, my next one, Harvest Moon. We talked about it briefly, farming game. Harvest Moon 64 in particular is one of my favorites. Um, of course, a lot of these contribute to my love affair with Japan, especially Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy, and now Harvest Moon. Also, yeah, Armored Core as well, even though that's not on the list. But uh, <laughs> Harvest Moon, yeah, really, really good. Basically Stardew Valley, but without everything. I mean, you can fish in that game, actually, which is kind of fun. Yeah. But it's not as well fleshed out. And you can make money by foraging and doing all this stuff but what i always really liked about the game was kind of like the open-endedness in terms of like determining your relationships with people yeah and um and just i don't know just exploring i love the music it still stands out well it's just like stardew valley in that it's like i mean there are objectives but it's very like loose yeah it's 
It's very relaxing to play. Yeah, yeah. right. So. It captures the just one more turn vibe. Oh, right? totally. One yeah. more day. One it, more day. It really has that game loop down. All right. Yeah. On, go mm. on. All right, my number three is Divinity Original Sin. Um, I haven't beaten number two, so it was kind of a coin toss, honestly, mm-hmm. between one and two. I think two does some things better than one and one does some things better than two yeah one thing i really don't actually like is they changed uh, a little bit of the fighting system in two so that you have magic armor and regular armor and you have to like almost focus each person in those different regards and so i don't know it if it just the fighting feels a little bit different but wow uh divinity original sin i mean the game is epic it's hilarious yeah um it i don't know the the turn-based mechanics in that game i don't know if i've played a better turn-based game um it's just addicting to get into fights and level up and it's another one of those like games where it's not it's not an arpg where you're just like constantly leveling up you are fighting for every scrap yeah. of XP you can get. Yeah. And every time you level up, those points matter so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a great game. Um, there's so many elements in a fight you got to consider, like, you know, what your enemies are weak and strong against. And, um, you know, if they're ranged or not, different enemies, you know, like can resurrect people and all this stuff. So. they always add these little interesting bits like they kind of teach you the game as you play it too which is really good um but sometimes they throw in these little surprises that you're just like what the hell like oh shit and then you have to like start over in almost in that fight but the fighting is what like really brings you back in that there's a lot of uh other components i mean they have crafting and Mm -hmm. recipe building and all that stuff but i think the fighting is just superb so I won't go too into detail since I talked a lot about it in the past, but you guys should play it. It's one of the best RPGs I think of all time. Yeah. So, uh, since we just talked about Knights of the Old Republic one, I'll mention Knights of the Old Republic two, <laughs> uh, which I think in my opinion is equally as good as the first one. If not, maybe I personally think it's a little better. The storyline is a little slower paced, yeah. which I think makes it harder to get into you have, like, this, like, mandatory scene, like, getting off that damn asteroid in the beginning that takes, like, an hour or two or more, and it's, like, the worst thing ever. Um, but it really sets the tone for what the game is going to be, whereas the first one is very epic and galactic. This storyline is, like, more subdued and subtle, where it's still epic in this sense, but it's, like, darker and, yeah. and, and, and like, more, you know, like, I don't know. Whereas, like, the first one you play as Revan, you know, this, like, Sith who was had the galaxy like on its knees for a little bit and now you're like not you have your memory erased or whatever and this one you play as a jedi who fought in that same war the jedi civil war um but uh but you've become disconnected with your powers and so you kind of live in this solitary life and everything is kind of uh coming back you know around you and you have to react to all this stuff and and uh, you know, it introduces some like what I kind of regard as like some of the more interesting expanded universe Sith 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Darth Nihilus, who feeds off of force energy, he can just, like, kill a whole planet by, like, feeding off that. Yeah. Um, Darth <laughs> Scion, who uses the force to give himself, like, un- basically immortality. Um, and which is one of my favorite fights ever in those games where you just, like, lay the beat down on him. And he <laughs> keeps getting up and he's like... I'm just going to keep getting up. And you're like, I'm just going to keep beating your ass. Son. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's Darth uh, Treya, who, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to avoid some spoilers there, but um, it's really good. Uh, there's some throwbacks to KOTOR 1 in there, like um, Mandalore is in it. Uh, Bastila is in it briefly. Yeah. Karth is in it briefly. Um, but uh, what's the guy's name? Candorous Ordo. Uh, the Mandalorian soldier you can have in your team in the first one, he comes back as Mandalore, the leader of the Mandalorians. He's like trying to, he's trying to like reunite them and and make them respected again. Um, I don't know. There's just so much fun stuff in that game. And in fact, a couple years ago before we started Game Devs Quest, I sat down to play that game just to see what it was like. And I ended up playing like 17 hours in one day. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, that's a game I definitely want to replay at some point. Yeah. So both it's, of them. Honestly. It's it's fun. It's really fun. All right, we're getting close. All right, my number two pick I think is the best first person shooter of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Half Life Two. Uh, what I really like about it, I mean, at the time, like the graphics were mind blowing, the physics were mind blowing. Yeah. But the combination of puzzles with first person shooter not to mention gravity gun yeah, oh my yeah. god at the end when you superpower the gravity gun you could pick people up yeah <laughs> yeah so good you could play like ragdoll catch <laughs> i, I love like the crossbow like oh yeah yeah that was like my favorite thing i just love pinning people to the wall oh yeah so good that's another game i i wouldn't mind replaying i saw someone playing it not that long ago like on twitch or something and i watched it for a little bit totally stands up yeah it does oh it's so i got good. my brother to play it like maybe a year or two ago yeah he's like man how did i miss this game yeah he's it's like, yeah. so good and i will admit i never played half-life one all the way through um but i still had a lot of fun with half-life we used to play half-life deathmatch a lot but and then of course spawned some uh really really good um mods including gary's mod yep which was really fun gary's mod i mean i i I was very tempted to put Counter-Strike Source on my list just because I had to have played that game for like 5,000 hours. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, that really was my game for many years. But Half-Life 2 in terms of like actual like full fullness of a game, it's definitely one of the best games of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't wait for Half-Life 3 if that ever comes out. But Mm. anyways... Yeah. My number two is Mass Effect. Number one. Another Bioware game. Yep. Uh, this game blew my mind away. I saw commercials for it, and I never got to play it until it came, uh, till way later. I played it on PC, and the um, game just floored me. Like, the world building, the characters, um, I don't, like, and, and the leveling system being very, like, streamlined and efficient and fun, and, like, the different classes that were available, like, combat felt, like, really interesting. Um, and again, just like KOTOR, like, it felt like your decisions had, like, weight and things yeah. like that that made a difference. For and, sure. Uh, you know, again, you could go bad or you could go good. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. But again, and it felt, had this like really big grand galactic storyline that was really fun, you know, trying to prevent this yeah. race of sentient robots from coming back and harvesting every life form for, you know, another 10,000 years worth of um, life or whatever. Yeah, I, I played some of Mass Effect 1. It's still on my list of games to beat. But what I found about it that was kind of rare is just, coming out with like a brand new sci-fi yeah story that's yeah. actually good and uh, yeah a completely new ip that yeah. just <clears throat> was so good yeah there's, there's not a single character in that game that you don't like right you know and everything's so well done and not only that like one thing that i always really admired and you know it this isn't something that should be e- as easily overlooked as it is but like you know being a guy you play a game you generally like want to play as a guy and the voice actor for male shepherd is really good, but the voice actress for female shepherd is better. <laughs> She's really good. And uh, it gets overlooked because all the guys play the game. They're like, I want to be a guy. Why would I want to be a girl? <laughs> so like, nobody knows how good this voice actress is, you know, like, but she's better than male shepherd's voice. Who's become like the voice of the character, you know, yeah. but what's funny is I actually typically pick a woman. Like, I don't know why, but I always do. Maybe I'm trying to tell myself something. <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, I think it's just more interesting. Like I think so, too, right? It gives you this like, chance to, like, live this life that's not your own. Yeah, right? exactly. So, like, why would you... Like, you're playing a video game. Why would you want to just, like, be what you are? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. That's fun. Yeah. We down to number one? We are. I think that... Everyone could probably guess what mine and yours is. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely could have picked yours, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my top game of all time is Age of Empires 2, specifically the Conqueror's Expansion. Um, honestly, if you play like vanilla Age of Kings, I don't know what you're doing. Like, the, <laughs> the game is good, um, but... Conquer has added so much to it in terms of like core pieces of that game. Like it felt like Age of Kings was almost missing things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the Conquerors, like they added some really awesome civilizations to the mix. Like how badass was it playing the Aztecs yeah. and the Mayans? What? And the fact that they didn't have horses. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. You had to like just be beefy infantry the whole time. Um, so there was that, uh, but in terms of like age of Kings, like they didn't have, you couldn't queue up farm respawns, which was huge. Mm-hmm. The pathfinding was much worse. Um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of little things that just makes the conquerors so much better. And it's amazing too, like to, to see that that game is still alive and well with the, uh, HD edition on steam. Like, it just is a testament to how good that game is. I think it's the best RTS of all time. I know a lot of people would probably say StarCraft. Brood War, yeah. Um, But for me, it, like, hit at that right time. Like, everyone knows I'm interested in history. I was always interested in, like, medieval history growing Mm -hmm. up. And to be able to, like, learn about that and play about it. Like, I remember reading, I uh, read the entire manual of Age of Empires because they had History, histories yeah. inside of it. It was so cool. I learned so much from that game. And then, like, 
just the strategic elements of it were so good. Playing, like, I mean, it's the game I've probably played the most in my entire life. I've probably, yeah, five, at least 5,000 hours. Um, but, like, certain summers, like the summer of between 6th and 7th grade, I was up every single night playing that game on the MSN gaming zone, dude. Yeah. That would dial up. <laughs> oh my God, it was so good. And like, I remember my parents getting mad at me because like the phone, we only had one phone line. Yeah. And so I was like tying it up all the time. But like, there were so many times that I played 1v1 with some of my friends and like just had the most epic games. Like, especially, oh my God, Regicide. Yes, that's the best mode. Regicide is the best. So you have a king, and if the king dies, you lose. There were so many times that I played Regicide where I was getting beat, and I sent my king into this most obscure spot on the map, and then I ended up coming back and winning because they couldn't find my king. (laughs) Oh, so fun. So true. Yeah. So if you guys haven't uh, played Age of Empires 2, you can pick up the HD edition on Steam for like 10 bucks. Um, they have even more civilizations that I haven't ch- fully checked out. More campaigns. Um, yeah. It's alive and well. And with Age of Empires 4 being announced, like, my God, I'm so excited. It's a long episode. It is, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's no problem. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Number one, Rhett. Morrowind. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> Rhett has a whole podcast about Morrowind, yeah, so... If it's, you're... it's my favorite game. And, you know, and I love the Elder Scrolls in general, but in retrospect, Oblivion is just, like, not as good. Yeah. Skyrim is just not as good. And my reasoning is wide and varied, but, like, I think the number one thing that disappoints me about both of those games is that they... You come from Morrowind, which is... One of the most exotic fantasy games I've ever played. Yeah. For God's sake, you get, like, off this boat into a town with a giant insect that you can ride to another town, (laughs) and there's giant mushrooms everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you don't really see that in games that often. And then you go into Oblivion, and there's nothing like that. It is generic medieval fantasy land. And same with Skyrim, except they added snow. You know what else, though? They made it even more generic by adding dragons. Yeah. Which, dragons are epic, and especially in the context of the Elder Scrolls, it's epic, and they're a part of the lore, but, like, how much more vanilla do you get? Castles and dragons. I know. Like, (laughs) um, don't get me wrong, I loved Skyrim, I loved Oblivion, but Morrowind takes the cake. It's exotic. Uh, the storyline is the best storyline. Um, just, I don't know, man. Don't yeah, know. I'm a little bit disappointed in myself that I don't have an Elder Scrolls game on here. But the one game that I did play the most out of them was Oblivion, which arguably is probably the worst of the three. Um I mean, it depends on who you ask. It depends on who you ask, you know? Some people are like, well, the the hero of Kvatch is the most powerful of all the characters you play. And they're not wrong, because if you count in the expansion, he becomes a god. He becomes becomes one of the Daedric princes. Yeah. He becomes Shiagorath. Yeah. I mean, those games definitely have a spot in my heart, and I'm always going to play them. I mean, I played like 50 hours of Elder Scrolls Online. I mean, 
I'll play all of them, but I haven't played Elder Scrolls Online. I don't it's think okay. I will. It it feels like an MMO with like Elder Scrolls themes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. And that's the other thing I really liked about Morrowind that they did away with some like really basic things that you wouldn't really think that they. Like, you know, it's like they made some decisions based out of, like, laziness, in my opinion. Like, changing the legs on Khajiit and Argonians. Like, they used to have, like, inverted knees. Now they just have regular people knees. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, um, the female Argonians never had breasts in Morrowind. And for some reason, they grew breasts. They're lizards, for God's sake. Why do they need mammaries? Yeah, that right. doesn't make any sense. Huh. Um... You know, and a couple other things, like, you know, cause, and especially that was important because those those characters couldn't read uh, wear boots. There, oh. there was no boots to wear. Yeah. And then they could wear boots in Oblivion. Yeah. Which is like, what? Well, yeah, I think when Oblivion hit, it was kind of like, they had, I mean, Morrowind kind of like brought them into the spotlight. Yeah. You know, and then it was like, all right, well, we're in the spotlight. Let's make it yeah. like acceptable to every. Or, oh yeah, you know, absolutely. I was super stoked for Oblivion, and, and I wasn't like, it's not like I hated it when it came no. out. I played the shit out of it. Yeah. Um. This, like I said, it's just a bunch of stuff in retrospect, and I think the stat system was way more fleshed out and fun, and everything in Morrowind in retrospect, you you have to like work for it. Yeah. So, like, you know, one of my favorite subreddits on Reddit is R slash Morrowind. It's really lively and fun, and, like, new players come in all the time, and they're like, well, I never played this game before, but I love Skyrim, and I give it a go, and holy shit, this game's amazing. Yeah. Like, I understand why people are frustrated with it, because it's hard. Yeah. You have to earn it. Yeah. Every step of the way, you have to <laughs> earn it. You know? It's like, there's no, like, map indicator pointing you where to go, so you can't just, like, blitz through quests, you yeah. know? Like, you have to think, you know? And some of them are hard. They're like, go east and find a tree. And they're like, thanks for that instruction. Okay. <laughs> I found a tree. Now what? And it's like, no, you need to go further east. <laughs> okay, I found a tree. No, you went too far. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. And the fast travel system is like implemented in Morrowind in a fun way. Yeah. Rather than like opening up your map and clicking and going. I know. Like, yeah. Which is fine for casual games. I think that's fine. Um, there's mods for Skyrim to shut that stuff off, which I think is really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the other thing about Morrowind that I gotta say before we sign off here is that the mod community is what I think keeps it relevant. Yeah. Uh, go in and get the Reborn mod. That game changes the map and adds new quests. And you can obviously, uh, use the Morrowind, uh, graphics overhaul mod and you can get like really rich foliage and armor textures and revamped, uh, facial textures and all this stuff where to me... It looked the same as low settings Skyrim looked. It looked that good, Dang. you know? So, yeah. like, it was... Ugh, man, it's fun. But also, you have the mod Tamriel Rebuilt, which aims to bring the whole continent <laughs> of um, Morrowind to life. Yeah. So, the game Morrowind only takes place on the island of Ardenfell, which is one small part of their continent. Uh, of their, like, you know, country or whatever. Um, there's like a whole mainland section that they didn't have time to implement. And so modders have taken it on themselves and they have implemented it. It, it is huge how much they've done. They've yeah. created entire cities. They've created entire quest lines. And this is just something that people do for fun. That's so So crazy. if you want to play Morrowind, go play it. First of all, the storyline is the best storyline. Second of all, um, you can 
mod the shit out of it and have a great time. So yeah. go check it out. If you guys have any questions, hit me up. I will answer any of your Morrowind questions. For sure. Well, do you want to talk about any honorable mentions or should we wrap it up? I'm good. All right. If you have one honorable mention, you can. Oh, God. I mean, Dota 2, Unreal 2004. I said one. <laughs> Oblivion. The original Call of Duty was great. Company Ma- of Heroes is good. Company of Heroes, yeah, Machinarium. Yeah, Jedi Academy. Medal of Honor, Allied Assault. Dear God. Um, I hated Allied Assault. I loved it, dude. Storm in Normandy was crazy. That's the one that starts on the plane, right? Yeah, that's Allied Assault. That starts on the plane. I don't remember. I the one part I remember the most is Storm in Normandy. Mm. So never mind. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So many good games. Those are our top ten. Yeah, that was fun talking about. Yeah, it was yeah. actually. Yeah, it's so. a long episode for you guys. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed it. Hey, what's your top ten favorite games or most influential games? What is your top ten list of games that inform your game dev time? Let us know on Twitter. Hashtag. <laughs> Top, top 10. 10 GDQ. Yeah. Or something that works. Like that yeah. that yeah. works. Okay. Or, Hashtag top 10 GDQ. Or let us know on Discord. Uh, I was at discord.gg forward slash pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to those guys too much. Um, bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yo, make sure, you guys are, make sure you guys are checking out those Humble Bundles. We got some sweet deals coming up. Uh, bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen humble. Uh, they've got all sorts of book bundles to help you out, all that sort of stuff. Hey, and don't forget, we're coming up on, uh, our, our fifth OMG jam. That's the one mechanic game jam. If you or a friend have wanted to get involved in making games and you have not yet, this is the game jam for you. It's got the lowest barrier of entry of any game jam. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Absolutely does. You create a game with one mechanic, whatever it might be. And, uh, yeah, come join us on the Discord and talk with people about it. Get your teams together or whatever, what have you. And get signed up over on our itch.io page, itch.io slash jam slash omgjam5. I'll get a bit.ly link up for that, yeah. too. Yeah. Is the link on our on our website, too, yet or no? No, I'll, actually, I need to update that as well. So, yeah, go ahead and check out gamedevsquest.com, and we'll have the link for that uh, here pretty soon, hopefully, um, up on there somewhere. Yep. But uh, that is going to be the weekend, or the first weekend of November, the, the second, thir- third, and fourth. Yeah. The second, third, and fourth. So uh, get signed up. We'll release themes uh, sometime before then. And uh, yeah, guys, excellent. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that's it for this week. Thanks for coming in and hanging out in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Booyah. Cute that music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>